The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. We welcome you once again to Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. We are so glad that you're with us today. As we continue our study in the book of Joel, we'll be looking at Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. David Renfro, Bob Wilkin, and Ken Yates will be our discussion leaders, and we're talking about judgment and destruction on God's own people. If God hates sin this much, what should we do about sin? That's coming up in just a moment after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org, a great place to find free grace resources and to find out about the Grace Evangelical Society's National Conference 2023. Here is Ken Yates with a word about that conference. A lot of people I talk to in different places around the country, free grace churches are hard to come by. To be with like-minded people who challenge you, who encourage you, it's just a wonderful experience. And I know there's a lot of people who come to the conference who feel the exact same way. Thank you, Ken Yates, for that descriptive word about our national conference. And friend, we want you to attend our national conference this year, 2023. May the 22nd through the 25th are the dates. Find out more and get registered, faithalone.org. And now here are our three amigos with today's discussion. All right, David, what do you have for us today? We're in chapter 2 of Joel, so everybody turn there in your Bibles and get ready for a spiritual feast. Very famous chapter. We're switching gears when we get to chapter 2. As I mentioned in the outline, chapter 1 was probably a reference to a devastating locust plague that happened just prior to Joel writing this, which was, I think it was, that occurred right then and there. Now, in chapter 2, I think Joel switches gears and says, oh, you think this locust plague is bad. There's something that's going to happen in the near future from the time Joel lived, and it's going to be amazing. Amazing in a bad way. And they better get the bugle going. <laughs> right? Right. Isn't that what they do in the military? Bugle? It's, yes. a, it's a bugle, but not... A is, call to battle? Yeah. Not the Israelite military. It's called a shofar. Ah. Oh. That's one of those big horns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. And so chapter two deals with something that's going to happen in the near future when Joel was ministering. The first 11 verses talks about this invading army. Oh, wow, what happened in chapter 1? We also had an invading army. Exactly. And then in starting in verse 12 through 17, you're going to see a call to repentance again. Right. Okay, we saw one in chapter 1. You're going to see the same thing again. And then we'll move on from there. Right. But chapter 2 now switches gears to something that is still future to Joel. It's past to us, but it's future to Joel. So that's what Joel says, that sound the alarm, like you say, blow the shofar in Zion. Zion, that's Jerusalem, isn't it? <laughs> that's why I'm saying that Joel ministered to the southern kingdom almost exclusively. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let the inhabitants... Oh, by the way, Bible study note, notice he says in the first line, trumpet in Zion, alarm in my holy mountain. That's a form of rhyming in the Hebrew poetry. Is that synonymous parallelism? It's called synonymous parallelism. Yeah. In other words, he says the same thing twice. Zion on my holy mountain. Exactly. Right. And there's antithetical parallelism, which Proverbs does that. The wise are this way, but the fool does this. But that's rhyming. They don't rhyme like we do. Mary had a little lamb, so on. 
they rhyme ideas. They're saying the same thing twice, and that's very common in Hebrew poetry. Verse 1 again, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Now, what is the word? Is that always still future to us? No. No. In this case, it's past us. And, of course, the one in chapter 1 was passed for them. Right. The locust invasion was the day of the Lord. So, Dr. Wilkin, are you saying that there's more than one day of the Lord? Yes. Ka-jing, ka-jing, ka-jing. You just hit the slot machine. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah. And this is another day of the Lord. It's a day when he's intimately involved with his creation. And in this case, in this context, his involvement is devastating judgment again. Notice he says, verse 2, a day of darkness and gloominess. I consider that to be another figure of speech. It's called hendiatus, using two words to convey an idea. It'd be like me saying, I am good and mad. Completely unrelated words, but I'm communicating what? You're very mad. That's a hendiatus. We use them all the time. We just don't call them hendiatus. To me, this darkness and gloominess is a hendiatus that communicates gloomy darkness. This is the darkness that you would probably, well, it goes back to the Egyptian Plagues. Wasn't one of the plagues darkness that you could feel? Remember yeah, that? Yeah. This is another judgment. It's a thick darkness. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it, days of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over. A people come, great and strong. Oh, really? They're coming just like locusts, huh? This is a plague of people, not locusts. Yeah. And when and the way Joel describes it in the verses that follow, very graphic what he says here, as you see this army coming upon the land, right. what it's going to look like. I cannot imagine being on top of a mountain, being a watchman, and looking down and seeing thousands of troops and chariots heading your way. Right. And they are not nice people. No. Well, notice how in, in verse 3, Joel, just in passing confirms the creation account. The Garden of Eden. There you go. (laughs) He's not talking about some mythical place. Right. He's talking about an actual place. I I love what he says. You know, of course, fire devours and destroys and all that. But the land is like the Garden of Eden before them. In other words, it's beautiful. It's abundant. It's paradise, what we would call paradise. But behind them, this this is a classic, and Joel is famous for this if you look for it. He's famous for doing these before and after shots. Yeah. Before, the Garden of Eden was beautiful. But look what it says. Behind them, a desolate wilderness. Here it says that their appearance is like the appearance of horses and swift steeds. The picture here is that of war power. And then in the next verse, chariots. We're talking military here. Right. Okay. Like a blitzkrieg in World War II there you when go. the Nazis went through Poland. That's what they were famous for, just fast destruction, just everything in their path very quickly. They did the same thing in, in when they invaded Russia. Yep. Exactly. And right. they destroyed and killed everything in their path. Right. That's what's going on here. You think the Nazis invented that? <laughs> <laughs> think again. But, yeah, verse 5, with the noise like chariots over the mountains, they leap. What's the picture there? Nothing can get in their way. There's nothing that you can do to stop them. Like a strong people set in battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained. I think all the color would drain out of my face if there was an army right outside. Yeah, and a lot of our expressions in English come from the King James Version of the Bible. And here we have drained of color, which is an expression we use today. Sure. Yeah. And he continues, verse 7, they run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. 
To me, that's significant. Why? They're not a mob. There's a chance of defeating a mob. There's a lot less chance of defeating a disciplined army. That's the key. Discipline. And then he says, though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. I mean, this sounds like they're everywhere. This is an army strong enough to go over the walls of the cities. That's the way the locusts were in chapter one. Yes. The locusts would climb and they would get into your cupboards. They would get under your bed. This army is going to be like that. They're going to be everywhere. There's parallels here. These military men are going to be in your cities, in your homes, climbing over your walls. You're starting to see the parallel of the true locust plague in Joel's day with what he says is about to happen in the not-too-distant future, except it won't be locusts. It's going to be an undefeatable army, an invincible army, because they are disciplined. They can go over the walls of the city. They can go into houses. They can do anything they want to, and there's not anything you can do about it. And isn't 10 kind of like saying it's like an earthquake, it's like an eclipse? Yeah. Again, I think of modern warfare, like, for example, in the Gulf War, when they burnt the uh, things and literally it got dark. Oh, the oil. The oil was burning and stuff and, 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 you know, the sun gets dark. So even though it was day, it was dark. Right. And and their time, it was these chariots that would be rolling and you'd hear them. And uh, that's probably causing the earth to quake. Quake, yes. If you're around a a bunch of chariots, literally it's going to be shaking. The heavens tremble. I can imagine all these mighty men screaming at the top of their lungs to create terror in the people that they are attacking. The sun and moon grow dark. I think that's exactly They're setting right. fire to things. They're setting Even fires. in this day. Some things just don't change in history, do they? <laughs> and that's just amazing to me. And, of course, the eternal question is, the Lord is allowing these cruel people to do this. In verse 11, we can take it a step further. Notice, the Lord gives voice before his army. And who's his army? The Lord is the one using this army to judge his people. Yeah. It's his army. They think that they are in control of everything. But guess what? The Lord is in total control of that army, not some god or goddess that they worship. But the true one and only Yahweh is in control. And he's using them as an instrument of judgment against his covenant people. Right. So when it says, for strong is the one who executes his word... Basically, this is God's word, like you said, Deuteronomy 28. Yes. You rebel, you're going to reap the consequences. Exactly. And on the other side, if you obey... You're going to get blessed. Exactly. That is really the picture here. How terrible to think you see this mighty army coming your way, and then you realize the Lord Almighty is behind it. Yeah, and by the (laughs) way, the second half of verse 11 brings up the day of the Lord again. And notice it calls it, it's a wonderful day, right? It's a beautiful day. (laughs) I think it says great and very terrible. Terrible. What translation do you have? Oh, you're looking at the Hebrew. I'm looking at the Hebrew. Okay, what does the Hebrew say? Great and very terrible. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, no words can communicate how awful, how destructive, how deadly this invasion is. Yeah, and then the next section, we're going to finish chapter 2 from 12 through 27. We we hope to finish. We hope to finish 12 (laughs) through 27. It depends on uh, how much commenting we all do. (laughs) Well, this is too exciting. we got to jump in every now and then. It is great stuff. 
All right, so we need to remember to keep Keep grace in focus. Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans, entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath, is available right now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through February 28, 2023, when you use the code word ROMANS. That's faithalone.org. Our goal at the Grace Evangelical Society is to teach Scripture clearly and without confusion. One of the best tools for that clarity, we believe, is our website. It's faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our site, we have all kinds of materials that are designed to help you mature and grow in your faith and your understanding of Scripture. Please come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. You'll be glad you did. God loves a cheerful giver, and that's why we think our financial partners are some of the happiest people in the world. If you would like to learn how to become a financial partner with Grace and Focus, we would very much appreciate it. Learn more at faithalone.org. It's really exciting to hear from our listeners. So if you've got a question, comment, or feedback, I hope you'll reach out to us. Best way to do that is through email. Here is our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next edition of Grace in Focus, we continue with our study in Joel, and we do hope that you'll be here with us for the next Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.